0: Esther, chapter two, and then we'll turn over to chapter six in just a moment. Um, I'll, you train you train your children to look for certain things, just to be aware. Um, when we go to clean up, it's amazing how a child can say, "Yeah, I picked up." <laughs> and you go in and it's like, "Did you?" <laughs> Uh, train staff, church members. Uh, Brother Max mentioned this this morning, training us to be aware of guests. Well, I didn't see them. Sometimes because you're just not looking. It's like, how can I get out of here as quickly as possible without having to interact with anybody? <laughs> okay, I'm just, I'm just enjoying this. Yeah. Um, you know, sometimes we don't see the blessings of God because it doesn't come in the form that we want it. Or it doesn't come in the way we want it. But they're there, man. They're, they're all over the place. So much, so much for good for us to see. Um, apparently, I'm losing my hearing because I did not hear anybody say that they were thankful for Brother Fievi, And so, <laughs> I heard Rathana and Setefano. But whatever makes him feel better, I'm fine with. Because I'm thankful for Brother Fievi. Hallelujah. And uh, Man, that, that offer, Tori, was a blessing. Uh, Michael, Julia, Maddie, and Tori, uh, just a great job. Praise the Lord for that. Man, what a blessing. All right, uh, so for these moments, um, Esther chapter 2, and then we'll get into chapter 6. Let's look at verse number 21, verse 21, please, in Esther chapter 2, and then we'll turn to chapter 6. Remember last week we dealt with the whole chapter but I want to go back and visit uh, the first part of chapter 6. Again, there's a, a thought there that is helpful. So in verse 21 of chapter 2, In those days, while Mordecai sat in the king's gate, he's in a position of authority, access, influence, awareness, two of the king's chamberlains, Bigthan and Teresh, of those who kept the door were Roth and sought to lay hand on the king Ahasuerus. And the thing was known to Mordecai, who told it unto Esther the queen. And Esther certified the king thereof in Mordecai's name. And when inquisition was made of the matter, it was found out. Therefore, they were both hanged on a tree. And it was written in the book of the Chronicles before the king. Now, what's important here is what you don't read. And what you don't read is this. Some kind of commendation or recognition or awareness of Mordecai, you intervened, and you, you acted on behalf of the king, and you single-handedly protected him and preserved his life, and he was susceptible to this assassination attempt. These two chamberlains did very well, for the most part, in keeping their intentions away from the king, and they had the opportunity to take his life, but you intervened. And so we commend you, and we show our royal gratitude to you for that. Now that would have been right. Would have been right. But it was forgotten. Now we go to chapter 6, verse number 1. Remember what's happened in chapter 5. Haman has just, Haman has just left his interaction with Esther and the king and went to the banquet, and Esther, after the banquet, says, Okay, come back one more time to a feast, and then I'll tell you what my request is. And remember, Haman is on cloud nine right now. He's, he's up there because he feels like, I'm just going up. I'm being promoted. I'm going to get to kill all the Jews. And I'm really excited about this. The queen wants my company and the king and nobody else. This is a statement about how awesome it's going. I'm really, really, though, ticked off at Mordecai. And as long as Mordecai's alive, I can't enjoy any of the good stuff in life. It's a miserable way to live. And so he goes home, and his wife and his hype crew, remember, he tells everybody, hey, come over and listen to how great I am. <laughs> About to hear what's up. And so they, they come over, and they tell him, hey, you want to get rid of Mordecai? Just build this gallows, which is not the Western kind of gallows. It's a different style. It was very painful, publicly humiliating way to execute someone. And, and so Haman feels like, man, everything is going great. He goes to bed excited about getting rid of Mordecai. Maybe even can hear the gallows being constructed. Look at verse number one. On that night could not the king sleep. And he commanded to bring the book of records of the chronicles. And they were read before the king. And it was found written that Mordecai had told of Bigthana. And Teresh, two of the king's chamberlains, the keepers of the door, who sought to lay hands on the king Ahasuerus. And the king said, what honor and dignity hath been done to Mordecai for this? Then said the king's servants that ministered unto him, there is nothing done for him. And then we talked about this last Sunday. He asked for who, who's in the court, and it just so happened to be Haman, and you know how that all went. So, back in chapter 2, we see this. We see human forgetfulness. We see a delay in recognition. But in chapter 6, we see divine work. So, the thought is this. Divine out of the delay. Divine out of the delay. Father, we're glad that we can be at church tonight, and just as good the different interactions, different things that we get to enjoy is being your people, and so thankful for the video and how we get to give missions money to things specifically like that, Lord, and so thankful for the offertory, thankful for the laughter, and even the, the playful banter, just enjoying the people of God, thankful for songs and new songs, Uh, Just all of these things that we enjoy, not just as your children, but getting to be a part of this church, we're grateful for it. And now I pray that you'd encourage your people and you'd speak to us as we are reminded of the delay that happened in Mordecai's life and how frustrating delays can be to us, and yet how you can use those delays uh, to bring good, to bring far greater good than if we had been working on our own timeline so Father, please help us to see that there can be divine work out of the delays in Jesus name. Amen you may be seated. thanks so much for standing one of my one of one of my least favorite things and times that I can be the most challenged at in my attitude is when I'm trying to get to the church and right now may it get I don't know if y'all remember this, I want to take you back a few months and on the boulevard and they had those big electronic signs and it said, and then we got this, actually the first time I saw it it was a postcard in the mail, I was at least thankful for this, showed up at the church, um, Middleton is going to be closed until April or May of 2087 or whatever it is, I mean I get it, it's next year but it might as well be the next hundred years. And, what's, and and so now I've, I've got to, I've, I mean, it's just, it's just first world problems are so hard. I've got to turn left and then go right and make another right. And normally I could just be at the church in like seven minutes. And now it either takes like 12 minutes or 15 minutes respectively. It's just a hard life to be living right now. And so I'm going and then you know I'm on my way to church on a Sunday morning rejoicing in the Lord. I don't know who's in charge of these trains, but they schedule them with me in mind. And, and I feel like somebody there is actually saved. And they're saying, God, there's a pastor out there who needs to develop the fruit of the spirit a little better. And we're just we want you to be in charge of of when this train goes by. And I'm like, you just need to be in church, bro, instead of messing with me on these trains right now. I mean, you can see it coming, can't you? You know what the worst is for me? Okay, I'm having fun. Y'all relax a little bit. Okay, I'm just having fun, sort of. Okay, you know what the worst is? When I can see, I'm getting ready to turn right on you, stick, and I can see a bus that's going to turn left, and I'm like, I have got to beat that bus, because then I'm behind a bus that's going to stop 37 times, and there's a train there, possibly. Good night, how, how many delays can I experience in a five-mile trip? What is, you know what I'm talking about. Maybe you don't. Maybe you're all just more spiritual than me, which is quite possible. I remember Alexandra saying one time when we were delayed with something, well, maybe God has a reason for it. Oh. <laughs> okay, I'm the one that gets to say that when I'm preaching, not you when I'm struggling privately in this vehicle right now. We're, if we're being honest. We don't like delays. We don't, we don't enjoy our plans being interrupted. We don't enjoy things that should happen not happening, when they should, and how they should. We don't enjoy that at all. And yet, there are going to be times when things that should happen don't happen when they ought to happen. There are going to be times when we go through things that have no explanation, and yet we are in seemingly very vulnerable positions, and we look for the intervention, we look for the correction, we look for the change, we look for the obvious thing that needs to happen, happening. We look for the end of the train. Like, 137, seriously? Are we still moving this much freight by train? I'm just kidding. I'm kidding, y'all. I'm thankful for it. I eventually have a good attitude and just rejoice in the Lord that we live in this country. I praise the Lord for the semis and trains and the ports and all of that stuff, hallelujah. Just not when it interrupts my flow. Anyway, in real life, it's no laughing matter. Mordecai's good was indeed good, and in a perfect world, it would have been properly respected and uh, rewarded, compensated, and honored in a perfect world. But it's not a perfect world. And Mordecai is ministering to a pagan king who's primarily driven by his own political promotion and agenda and his own sensual appetites. If you need refreshment about this, just go back and read chapter 1 and chapter 2. This is not a virtuous man who's driven by the good of all people. This is a man who's driven by his own internal lust, his own selfishness, and and yet Mordecai understands this, that it's God. That sets up kings and takes down kings. And by the way, it's still God that is in charge of those things. And so even if I disagree with him, I need to respect the office. Man, I love the opportunity to teach my children. We will respect authority figures no matter how much we disagree with them. We will show respect, and we will pray, and we will be the right kind, we will try to be the right kind of people before God. And so I understand that, and Mordecai understood that, and so he intervenes, he hears about this plot, and he intervenes to save the king's life. And it should have been, the, I mean, the next day, the, certainly within the week, man, the kingdom needs to know about Mordecai. The kingdom needs to know, because my life was this close to being snuffed out. And this man intervened to protect me. Now, a few things. The king, the king was human. we got to be okay that people make mistakes simply because they're human. I'm not saying we justify it. I'm saying sometimes we can get on a high horse like we're not human. And the king was human. Number two, the king was busy. Are you ready? He's the king. You say, well, he wasn't, he wasn't necessarily a good man. Right, but he He was still ruling a world empire at the time, and there were some things going on, and whether or not his priorities were straight, he was really busy. Also, there's this. Not only was he human, and not only was he busy, he was also very (laughs) self-absorbed. So you have this king who is human and then he is a king and he's really busy and then he pretty much lives his life focused on himself. The world revolves around him. He is the sun and everybody else is the universe that is moving around him. He's the focal point. He is what everyone should be paying attention to and when his queen Vashti who he later regretted removing her when his queen won't perform for him and do what it is that he wants done even if even if it's inappropriate or demeans her then he's just going to go out and he is going to excuse the terminology he's just going to harvest all of these single young ladies for his own pleasure and so we look at this and we say it's really no surprise that he forgot to do anything on behalf of Mordecai it's not a surprise that Mordecai was forgotten because he's human He's busy, and he's self-absorbed. And so his concern in those moments was not who helped to save my life. His concern was just that my life was saved. And so Mordecai very quickly drifted into forgetfulness. Now, God is sovereign, and that comes up over and over again in this book, and what's amazing about that is that he can work through the flaws of men to accomplish his good purpose. Uh, Romans eight twenty eight. We know. <laughs> the Apostle Paul was inspired to definitively make a statement with confidence. We know. Not we kind of think. Not we kind of hope so. We know. We're certain of. We're sure that he and we know that all things work together for good to them that love God, to him who are to them who are the called, according to his purpose. Now, while it was not it was not just that Mordecai's reward was delayed, it was used in a divine way, even though there was a human error there. So we get to chapter six, and if you can just think about the avalanche of events that are in motion against the Jews against Mordecai against Esther it's like an it's like those waves coming at the the missionary it's like those waves and they're just holding on to one another and you see you see these waves coming in and you, and you see man this might be a bigger one than I can handle and you see, you see this, this avalanche, you see these waves coming down on you, and there's the avalanche of the king's indifference and callousness and forgetfulness. There's the avalanche of Haman's intense hatred for Mordecai. And then because Mordecai's a Jew and he hates Mordecai, then his hatred for all the other Jews. There's this avalanche of all of these events, this law being signed and then seemingly Haman being promoted to this position of great power. And you have all of these things that are against you. You understand, this wasn't just sweet story time, that their backs were really up against the wall right here. And Haman goes home, he's just fired up, full of himself, and angry about Mordecai. Now he's got these gallows being built, and he gets there early in the morning, just like I show up at the DMV. Right now on a semi-weekly basis, because I keep losing stuff. He just shows up. I'm there early. Man, I, I got my footprints marked on the parking lot right outside the DMV. I know what time to get there now to beat so I'm not back in the trees. I know when to get there. That's Haman. He's there early. On that night, the king couldn't sleep. You know, God's able to just do stuff. Yeah, you say, why couldn't he sleep? God gets involved. He's like, man, I just, I can't sleep. Nothing's happening on ESPN. I'm tired of the news. Everybody talking about my kingdom, who cares? Man, uh, I guess I need to, I'm going to read something. Well, he's the king, so he doesn't actually do his own reading. He has people read it to him. Hey, babe, make a note of this. I think I'm going to have you read ESPN to me from now on. (laughs) That's a joke. I'm just trying to make sure you're all still engaged here. (laughs) Sorry, sweetheart. Um, So the the record's being read in verse number 1 of chapter 6 at the end, and they were read before the king. And so then he hears the story of Mordecai. Saving his life and intervening. And he answers, and he asks this question, what was done? What honor, in verse 3, and dignity hath been done to Mordecai for this? He hears that. And the record is missing an obviously important detail where the event was recorded and judgment was done, but then there's no reward. And so we ask, hey, what was done for these guys? Did, did uh, someone recording this, did a secretary drop the ball? Uh, did a record keeper not put this down? What happened here? And they go, no, nothing was done for him. And so he finds out that Haman's out there and brings him in. And then the, 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 the divine irony of all of this, how that the man, the enemy of God's people, is now making the suggestion, oh, this is hilarious, that is going to be used to honor Mordecai. No, out of his own mouth, not only is he making the suggestion, but he's the one that's carrying it out and he's got to lead Mordecai on the king's horse in the king's robe with the king's crown and declare through the city in the palace area thus, the, the, thus this is what the king does to the one whom he wants to honor and he has to be he suggested it and he has to be the one who executes it it's amazing but it wasn't just that it wasn't and, and please don't misunderstand this and we we get it from a human perspective if that's me I'm just looking down at Haman going, but that wasn't Mordecai's spirit. That's not a godly spirit. That that wasn't Mordecai's attitude at all. This wasn't about Mordecai and Haman. Remember, this was about God and Haman. That was the point last week. That you're either on God's side or you're not on God's side. And when you're against him, you can't possibly win in the end. But when you're on his side, you can't possibly lose in the end. And this is about the work and purpose of God. This is about the preservation of God's people. This was so much more than just Mordecai getting the the last laugh on Haman. Notice these benefits of, of this recognition being delayed. If the recognition had been given in chapter 2, when it, it, from a human perspective, when it should have been, then it, the people of God might have missed out on these benefits. Notice, number one, it changed the thinking of a king towards an entire group of people. We're not going to go back and look at it, but in between chapter 2 and chapter 6, Haman comes onto the scene and he gains influence, and remember, he gets ticked off at Mordecai because Mordecai's not bowing down to him and worshiping him. Like he wants him to. And so he goes to the king and says, Hey, there's these people and they have laws that are a threat to you that actually aren't. They're actually really good for you because when God blesses his people, it's only good for the community that they inhabit. But these people are just a nuisance and they're a threat to your reign. And so we need to write a law that on a certain day, anyone and everyone can take up arms and kill these people and there's no defense and they won't be held criminally liable and we can just rid our empire of them. And the king's like, Sure, sounds great. Here's my stamp. Let's go have dinner. That's literally what happened. They sat down to eat. King's like, yeah, whatever. Somebody else. I don't don't need to worry about this. Now he's dealing with one of their most influential leaders, and his mind has changed because he sees this, this man of this race did something to my benefit. And so his entire perspective has changed. Number two, it undermined the plotting of Haman. Remember what Haman came there to do. King... Let me kill Mordecai. And based on previous interactions, it is proper to assume that without some kind of intervention and given the way the king just went along with whatever Haman asked for, it's not far-reaching to say, yeah, the king probably would have gone along with that. Yeah. Yeah, throw him up on those gallows. Sure, if he's getting on your nerves, that's fine. I'm your buddy. Your enemy's my enemy. I let you make the law. What do I care about one more guy? Number three, it set the stage for the downfall of Haman. So God gives Haman enough, proverbially, gives Haman enough rope, and then he's going to get hung on it. You got to, this isn't the point tonight, but just remember, throughout, throughout biblical history and secular history, God gives the enemies of his people enough rope to do damage, but in the end, he knows what he's doing. And, and he got Haman. Number four, it publicly elevated the status of the people who were publicly condemned to die. Remember the law, all the Jews die on this day. Now, one of the Jews is being led on a horse. Talking about, you're not enjoying this. Talking about, this is what the king does when he wants to honor somebody. And so people are there like... Okay, remember back, uh, chapter four, chapter five. The whole palace was perplexed when the when the uh, the law came out and the statement came out, and they're like, "What is going? We're going to kill an entire race of people." I mean, Mordecai's a Jew; he's good, dude. What's going on? And now, all of a sudden, there's Mordecai on the horse, and there's Haman, the guy who hates Mordecai and hates the Jews, and he's leading him around, saying this. And so now, a a public demonstration of honor is being used to, in some ways undermine the intentions of Haman and help to affect the perceptions of people towards the Jewish people in the kingdom at that time. I just want you to get this. It may seem like a simple thing, but in chapter 2, it would have been right, but it potentially would have accomplished far less. In chapter 6, it was used to accomplish the divine. God took the forgetfulness. He took the busyness and the, the preoccupation, and he took the self absorption of a king who forgot to do justice. Is it, isn't it biblical to honor those whom you should honor? I, I think that's in the Bible somewhere. Okay, it is, yes. Honor to whom honor. We're to give that. It would have been right, it would have been proper. He should not have been forgotten. But God in his great sovereignty, his ability to work through all these different circumstances, he took this situation and he used the forgetfulness, he used the delay, he used this deficiency in the part of the king towards Mordecai, and he used it to accomplish much more than just honoring Mordecai, but to set the stage for undoing the damage and the threat of Haman and for elevating the people, his people so that they would have the ability to protect themselves through the delay God accomplished the divine there are times when delays occur in our lives that we have no control over and we don't like and we don't understand delays in justice things happen either criminally or just in a matter of right and wrong that shouldn't happen isn't it frustrating to see how many people get away with so much evil? Yeah. And, and you ask yourself the question is anybody ever going to be held accountable for anything? Hear about crimes being committed, hear about people being neglected, hear about people in positions of power abusing it. You say, is anybody ever going to be held accountable for this? It delays. Delays in opportunity. You got, I, I want to do this and I've prayed to do this and I've worked hard and maybe I'm looking for a job, or maybe I have a passion for a certain area of ministry, or maybe there's something that I'm after. Maybe it has to do with my family, or maybe it has to do with making some kind of investment in the lives of people. I just, I want this opportunity, but for whatever reason, there are delays, and it's like me trying to beat the bus and the train on Ustick. I feel like I'm doing good, but then I see that bus turn in before me, and I don't have any control over that, and then I see the lights on the train tracks start flashing and those bars coming down and it's not what I want but I realize that I'm, I, I don't have anywhere else to go I know this is the best direction to go but if I turn around I'm going to be running into the same train if I go down to Linden or if I try to cut it some other way it's just going to take longer because of traffic this is obviously where I'm supposed to be but God is allowing these delays and this opportunity delays and understanding decisions get made You go through things that you just, I don't understand why this is happening right now. Have you ever been there where you're doing the right thing, and you still don't understand why things are going the way that they're going? It's why. And there are a whole lot of God's people who've asked why. And honestly, there's many, many times when we're not given an answer as to the why. Especially not immediately. Delays in provision. Delays in progress. Delays in reconciliation and repentance or forgiveness. You remember Jesus sitting over, looking out over the city of Jerusalem and weeping. How often would I have gathered you unto myself as a hen gathers her chicks, but you would not and you have a heart that desires to be reconciled to people you have a heart that desires to be reconciled to a child you have a heart that desires to grant forgiveness to someone who's hurt you or wounded you and yet they just they resist and you are left with the hurt and you are left with the scars and there are these delays these delays here's the here's the challenge for us we get in a hurt and just be honest about this it's not bad we get in a hurry for things to be the way that they should be, don't we? Do you long for that? Can you think of an area in your life right now where you long, for not, not for things to be the way you want them to be, but for things to be the way that they should be? And you have enough spiritual and emotional maturity to recognize that what you want isn't always what is right. But you can honestly say there are things that should be a certain way that are not the way they ought to be. You, do you long for that anywhere? sure. I long for someone to admit that they're wrong. I long, I long for, I long for the, an opportunity to come that I've been faithful and I've worked so hard. I long for this burden and this trial to be over where I'm trying to do the right thing. I long for the relief of this pressure, for the correction of this issue, for the change of this attitude, for the release of this burden, for the restoration of this relationship. I long for progress. I long for understanding. I long to be able to see the end of the train coming at some point. But I'm stuck here with a bus in front of me and these lights flashing and these bars in my way. And I just see this train going by and there's no end in sight. And we just want things to be the way that they should be. Have you been there? Yeah. Yeah. Not only that, we get in a hurry to make other people do what they should do. Again, there's a difference between people doing what you want them to do and what they should do. Recognize that. Be mature about this. But there are times when you can look at people's lives and look at the decisions they're making. And you can say, this person isn't doing what they need to do. And it's not because you think you're better, it's because you know the Word of God and you know truth and you understand in any circumstances any, and in any situation, this is wrong. And you want them to do what they should do because you understand it's for their good. Yeah. Have you been there? Yeah. Yep. Times I get on my face by myself and just say, beg. Not as though I don't have access to him, but I just plead with him. God, I can't change their mind. and not, It's not about me versus anybody, God. They, they need to do differently because I know where this ends. I'm not, I mean, I know better than anybody. I just know where this ends based on experience and based on the truth of the word of God. I know where this decision leads, God. Have you been there? you want to make people do what they what you know is right well in those delays here's the danger there's a couple of them and and we don't have much longer so please stay tuned number 1 we conclude because it hasn't happened yet it won't ever happen you know what the danger was for Mordecai that he conclude that well this hasn't happened and it, man, if I've been forgotten about and what I did good, then why should I think that God is going to pay attention to the plight of our entire people? And sometimes we can think that God has given up and is not paying attention on our lives and where we're at and what's going on. This will, my life will never get any better. There's no hope for me. Now look, here's what you can't do. There is, God, God doesn't make a promise and that he gives us free will, and, the, and there's beauty in that, but there's also the risk in that. And you, you can't make people choose to follow God, but you can trust, no matter what people in your life do, that God can use those things, and he can still work in your life, and he can still bless your life, and he can still help you through the difficulty. Number two, we conclude, because it hasn't happened, we have to make it happen. And this is where it can get really messy. Oh, please get this. Please, please get this. Mordecai had no authority to make the king recognize him. Okay, Should the king have recognized him in chapter 2? Yes, it would have been right and it was wrong that he didn't. But Mordecai did not have the authority to go up and demand that he be recognized. And a lot of times we make situations more difficult because we step outside of our authority. Just because someone else has messed up doesn't give you authority to overstep the bounds God has put in your life. Make sense? Does that make sense? I, w- I want to say to the young people, let me help you understand this, your parents are not perfect people. And you're going to notice something. You-, you might notice along the way, hopefully it's few and far between, but you might notice a situation where it seems like there's some inconsistency. Oftentimes, if you'll just be patient enough, you'll notice there wasn't. It was just your perspective. But sometimes your parents might make a mistake. Your parents m- might not handle a situation that they need to. Just because your parents aren't perfect doesn't give you the authority to try to correct them and to somehow subvert their authority in your life. You say, well, you do this so I don't have to. No, you do have to because the Bible doesn't change his comm- God's command for your life. Obey your parents. It's good. It's good. Hey, is good for adults. Yeah. Your spouse may not do what they ought to do. Ladies, your spouse may not do what they ought to do. But there's still a way to show them the light of Jesus Christ. And even if you can't control what they're doing, and it ends catastrophically, there are certain, there are certain boundaries that you cannot pass. Somebody over here said amen. Say amen to it again, Hallelujah. Men, I, this is interesting. This would be good for some brothers to get. You know, God never commanded you to make your wife submit. The Bible, God commands a wife to submit and to support and to follow. We're not talking about a beat down, subservient way. We, we are equal before the Lord in our value to him. But he created us for different roles, and so he commands a, in a marriage a wife to submit. You say, my husband's a dirtbag, and he's deserted me. And I understand those things happen, and you have no control over that. But you get into danger when you start trying to make him do what he ought to do. You can't force it. And there are women here who will give, te- or excuse me, men, sorry, men trying to force their wives, or vice versa. And you only make it worse when you do that. Some of God's people can give testimony to that. In church, let me talk about two sides of this. I have authority to lead. Hebrews 13 says this, Obey them that have the rule over you, that watch for your souls, as they, must give an, as they that must give an account, that they may do it with joy and not with grief. It's biblical. But I, I love the example of Moses and of Jesus. Jesus told the disciples, this is." The, and Moses told the Israelites, this is the way we need to go. He didn't try to make anybody do it. Moses just humbled himself. Hey, you want to fight with God? Go ahead. I'm just going to give you the direction. I'm going to preach the word. I'm going to tell you what I believe that we're supposed to do. It's not my job to make anybody do anything, and I'm thankful for that. You say, well, what if? What if uh, what if we're concerned about something? Well, let me let me just help you with this. Number one, if I start preaching erroneous doctrine, there better be some men in leadership and men that are concerned that have a real quick meeting with me. No, you better men, you better have enough of a backbone that you come and you look me in the face and say, "We need some explanation and we need to understand what's going on here." Be, no, you better be able to do that. You also need to be able to distinguish between personal preference, and we've just got to trust this leadership and understand that in the end, it's not your job to make a pastor or a leader do anything. As long as the word of God isn't being violated, we just need to be on board with it. You make it worse when you don't, when you try to force things you don't have the authority to. This is what you have to Remember? that there's more going on than you realize. Okay, can I reference Alexandra's statement? It made me cringe. I had a bad attitude, and I did not respond well. And I had to ask the Lord to forgive me. I had to ask all my kids to forgive me. It was publicly humiliating and ridiculous, and is just like, you are a dork. And you're right. You train your kids, and then you just do that. Yep, amen. But if you can be faithful and trust God, When there are delays in your life, perhaps you'll see him use the delay to accomplish the divine. God doesn't cause failures, but he can use the failure. God doesn't cause the suffering, but he can use the suffering. Hey, I believe this. If you're watching, Brother Paul, I believe this about you. I don't don't know why. I can never answer why to you, my friend. And I've talked to you about this. But I believe God can use it in your life. We've prayed for you. People continue to pray for you. I sit down with people that have a broken heart and and have spent so much of myself trying to reason with those who are hurting them. And nothing can be changed because you can't force people to change but I just want to encourage those who've been hurt. I want to encourage those ladies whose hearts have been broken. I want to encourage those children who don't understand. I want to encourage you to recognize this, that while there's not a human being alive that can give you an answer that is going to make sense, you've got to protect your heart against bitterness. And you've got to believe that in the delays of all of these things in your life, that God has a purpose and that he can do some incredible things if you will be patient and you will trust him and you will follow him. You ask, what did Mordecai do between chapter 2 and chapter 6? So simple. Are you ready? He did what he was supposed to do. Just live by faith you know what, I know that I'm supposed to go to church. I know that I'm supposed to be respectful. I know that I'm supposed to do my schoolwork and my chores. I know that I'm supposed to try to pass out this track once a week or more. I know that I'm supposed to give to missions. I know that I'm supposed to sing the praises of God. I know that I'm supposed to do my job. I know that I'm supposed to play with my family and invest in my family. I know that I'm supposed to help my neighbor. You have so much that you know about. And as long as you'll keep doing those things, you might see God take that delay and do. Something something divine with it. God can use the delays in your life to accomplish the divine through your life. Let me give you a few examples and I'm done. David, remember? Anointed with oil and a whole lot of years before he became king. It's divine. Ruth, husband dies, brother-in-law dies, father-in-law dies, bitter mother-in-law delays lineage of jesus christ divine moses 40 years he knew he was going to be the the one to lead so he takes matters into his own hands and he smokes the egyptian soldier and then he goes out into the wilderness for another 80 years 40 years i was laughing about this with my dad moses ministry didn't start until he was 80 Some of you people getting comfortable better check yourself. Holy Spirit might come knocking. Hey, you think, you, you think you're getting ready to be done at 65? Nope. <laughs> you say, well, it's a different time. You tell God that. I'm just saying, you better be open. Mm-hmm. Delay. Was there anything divine about the last 40 years of his life? Talk about a burning bush. Talk about a red sea. Talk about 40 years of provision in the wilderness. Talk about leading them to the place of the promised land. One more, Joseph. Got this dream. whole lot of bad stuff happened. In the end, divine. God can take your delay and do something divine with it. I lied. I'm sorry. One more. Jesus. Servant. cross. One day, one day, white horse, victory, every knee, every tongue. So God can use the delays in your life to accomplish the divine through your life. I don't know what that is. It's not a blank check that everything turns out the way we want it to, but he is at work, brothers and sisters. So what delays are you experiencing What areas does it seem like you are forgotten? You're not going to be on an island forever. You know, let me say it this way. You're not going to be stuck at the tracks forever. I have to remind myself this. It's pathetic. It's like five minutes at the most. I'm not going to be behind this bus forever. I'm not going to be counting these train cars forever. But it seems like we can. Feels like it. So in the meantime, ask God for grace and do what you're supposed to do. And when, he's, and when it's ready, when he's ready, when it's right, and when it's best, he'll show himself in the way that he needs to. Let's all stand together. Can you look at me before you bow your heads and close your eyes? How many of you would raise your hand and say there are things in my life that I have experienced or I am experiencing that if I could have avoided them, I would? Raise your hand. Yep. How many of you would say there are things in my life that I have experienced that I would have avoided but I I am not seeing I'm not experiencing I don't understand it just seems like one big giant bus or train in the way of my life there's an issue there's a problem there's a hurt there's a sorrow and and I just don't know what the outcome is got anything yep, yep. a lot of us a lot of us he's still there yes he is he's still there you're not alone and when you're uncertain about what's going to happen, he is working behind the scenes. And he's going to wake somebody up or keep somebody up or do something in your life. So when you, I don't know how long that takes. I just know that he can do it. And he might use the delay to bring out the divine. Let's all bow our heads and close our eyes. Lord, if you have spoken, I pray that you would be a help. And you would help your people to respond. And that whatever delays we have going on, Father, I don't know them all. I don't even, I don't think I know them all. Let's know that your people have struggles. And I pray that you might help them to trust you. And it doesn't mean, God, this is not a message that everything will work out exactly like we want it to. But we can trust you to work things out. And that in the end, you're going to do good In us, you do good through us, you can bring the divine out of the delays that we experience. So Father, please help our response to you in Jesus' name, amen. While the piano begins and Brother Nate sings, if God has spoken to your heart, you respond to him.
1: sings on his children. Brother
0: Nate, can you sing one more verse, please?